This is the Negro League Podcast with Preach James. Jacobs, thank y'all for listening. We are sponsored by Mo Better Soul. Go to MoBetterSoul.com for some dope gear and clothes and all that good stuff. I don't know if I am in such a mood to talk about <laughs> y'all buying fucking shirts. Uh, I'm recording this on Monday, the day before election day, and I think it'd be interesting to hear my thoughts today and the day after election day because I don't know what's going to happen. I have no clue what's going to happen. Um, I have a few thoughts. The first thought is I, I'm I'm pretty scared. And I wrote some column that I submitted to a publication here and I'm writing a bunch of other ones and I'm submitting other places and just, you know, hope that they pick them up, right? Like you send some stuff to national publications. Maybe it's good enough. Maybe it's not. But I live in South Carolina, and very rarely is there something that's happening where national publications really give a fuck about what's going on in my state. Jamie Harrison and Lindsey Graham is one of them. And so a lot of times when you write these things to submit them for you to have a chance, um, you got to be kind of ahead of the curve. You got to write about this shit, some shit before it happens, right? So as soon as you have an idea for something, It's like the collective idea. Everybody else has had it. So the idea now is, well, let me write about some shit early. And that's what I did. I wrote wrote a couple of columns and sent them to a couple of places about, you know, what if Jamie does get elected? Not maybe, but it's like this is the column to run if he's elected. Um, If he doesn't get elected, then the columns are are for not. But one of the things that I wrote in there that I, I woke up this morning and I felt stupid, right? I was writing about the hope that comes with Jamie Harrison getting elected. And it's, it's, I felt stupid when I wrote it, right? Not stupid, but like disingenuous because a lot of times we're talking about hope. Um, you know, that was Obama's campaign slogan, which by the way, if you guys get a chance, I would watch the, uh, the shop interview that LeBron had with Obama. But, um, I think hope is different. And, and I think it hit me. I was watching last week tonight, last night, the John Oliver show. And if you haven't watched his, his latest episode, the Sunday before the election, it's, it's kind of gut wrenching seeing him talk about um, what's going on with, with COVID, how the responses are. Um, It's a lot. Right. And it dawned on me that black people's hope in America is totally different than white people's hope in America. You know, like white people have a hope that things will get better. Black people's hope is I hope white people don't white people as badly as they've acted in the past. And and that's it. And that's a very uncomfortable, vulnerable place to feel. You know, it's like there's these conversations going on. You know, we're talking about people boarding up the businesses I got my homies telling me, yo, you got your guns. I got them. You know what I mean? I, I don't plan on being out and about. Like, I'm I'm terrified. And the terror comes from 
the angry white mob, which historically as a black man in America and as black people in the South have been the biggest tyrant, the biggest uh, threat to the country as far as you know, we're talking about terrorists or whatever the case may be, that's them. And and I was speaking to someone about, you know, somehow, some way we got into a deep conversation about Timothy McVeigh and how the Oklahoma City bombing, you know, it killed like a, a, a maybe 183 people, 200, I'm not sure. But Timothy McVeigh was this military guy, white guy, and he was Roman Catholic and I asked her why during 9-11 when there was a terrorist attack and it's suspected that, oh, well, you know, the people that did this look like Muslims. All of a sudden now, after bin Laden, America is, their hatred towards uh, Muslims was just off the charts, you know. But when Timothy McVeigh does what he does, which is a terrorist act, no one um, looks at, white people fit in that description the same way. She said something pretty, you know, on point. She was like, white people have the privilege to be an individual, right? Like, he has the privilege of it being considered an isolated act. It's something that, oh, the you know, the, the bad apple theory, right? Like, everybody else has to have the suffrage of um, being responsible for their tribe. Or the, or the other end of it, there's this responsibility, like, like, like the Ice Cube shit going on right now where Ice Cube, you know, the the platinum plan. And and I think he got caught in a situation where he was just ill prepared. And I think his his intentions were were positive, I think. I think they were genuine, you know. Um, but there's a few things that come to mind. It's like the first one was when the word got out that pretty much the Trump campaign just used him to parade around. Same thing with Lil Wayne. Um he, Ice Cube specifically, like angry, responded, was like, no, nah, I'm not necessarily fucking with Trump like this, 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 and that. And then when they had him on some news channel to talk about, well, what's in the platinum plan? What would you do? This and this and that. He felt, it felt like he was ill-equipped to eloquently explain uh, what he had planned for. The other part about it is, um, I don't think that what he was trying to propose was something that, was groundbreaking and brand new. And I think that's the problem is that I think when you're out of those circles and you start proposing these ideas, there's probably tons of people that already had these concepts, these thoughts, like, like who did you consult with? And so all of a sudden there becomes this thing where Ice Cube takes it upon himself to try to speak on behalf of black people everywhere. We didn't elect them to do that, but that's the other part of it, right? That's the other part of the individualism is that I think black folks feel that responsibility as well of of representing their people as a whole or at least um not just being alone right you remember you used to watch wheel of fortune back in the day and if somebody did something stupid or said something wrong we somehow took it as them insulting the whole race or making us look bad for everybody whereas white people have the ability to just be as rednecky as silly as stupid as they want to be on television and they'd be fine with it right i remember i would tell someone years ago about um i was in a play and my first play i was ever in and they had these lines i was a narrator in a play and i'm a black dude i got the james Earl jones voice or whatever and there was a part in the play that felt really weird right my character was supposed to say something about this southern um restaurant 
And I'm supposed to be talking about Southern cuisines in a line. It's just like, you know, they got fried chicken, candy yams, blah, blah, blah. And it's finger licking good, right? Like, like, and, and reading it to myself, I felt some kind of way. And, and I remember I reached out to the director of it and I was like, yo, I don't really feel comfortable, especially my first play to be a black dude talking about chicken and stuff being finger licking good. And, and I think, uh, the, the the director of the theater reached out to me. He was panicking, right? Because after I talked to the director of the play, he was like, did we do something racist? Did we do something wrong? You know, like, like I think they took it as me trying to say that they were racist. And I told him this. I said, Kramer on Seinfeld has the privilege to be slapstick, right? Think about his character. He bumping into the place. He's this physical actor, falls over shit, got the hair, says all this crazy stuff. He can do that. A black comedian couldn't. They'll be step and fetch it. It'll be vaudevillish, right? And speaking of Kramer, <laughs> right? Remember what he did at the comedy show? You know what I'm saying? So, so I, I think, as I told the guy, I don't think it was racist in the script. I just think that having a black man say these words was your blind spot because y'all motherfuckers don't have black people uh, looking out for you, right? And so. I think these blind spots hit a bunch of different people and and it it sometimes um I think we have that responsibility of feeling as if I can't misrepresent my folks here. And that's how I felt in that play. I said I can't rep- misrepresent my folks figuratively and literally. My mom and daddy in the audience, right? Like I'm not going to no. But I had them come see a play and I say finger licking good about chicken. Get the fuck out of here, right? So so I think about those things and I think about um Historically speaking, you know, the 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 white people having the ability to be an individual, I think that's what's happening to Lil Wayne. And I think to some degree, even if Ice Cube don't want to admit it, I think that's what's happening to him, where I think he believes he's an individual. Um, and I think with the Lil Wayne thing, I think it's like, you know, the OJ quote, right? Like, of course, it's a Jay-Z song, but the song comes from the OJ documentary, where uh, someone's telling the story about OJ is in this this restaurant with all these white folks, and somebody walks over to the table and they're saying something blah 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 blah, and made a comment about some black people outside or something to that extent, and the guy said blah blah blah, you know those niggas blah 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 blah, and when the guy walks away from the table, someone sent my OJ apologized to him. It's like yo, we're so sorry. This guy had this kind of language around you. Uh, that's so offensive. Yada yada yada. OJ was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you see what happened. He's talking about when he talked about those niggas, he wasn't even thinking about me. He was like, I'm not black, I'm OJ. Okay. I think that's what happened with Lil Wayne. I think they cut him a bag and he said, fuck it. You know, like 50 Cent spoke about this years ago, back in 2016 or 17, when Trump was trying to get black rapper endorsers. Um, they offered him, I don't know, 50 grand. To, to align himself with, with, with Trump. And 50 said in an interview, he's like, nah, bro, not all money is good money, right? So he at least had <laughs> the awareness with that. I think Wayne don't give a fuck because Wayne thinks that he can be an individual outside of that. And you know what? Maybe maybe that's true. Maybe if he's almost 40 now and got rich when he was 14, he's been rich longer than he's been broke and he's been a rock star longer than anything else. So... I think that there's going to be certain things that's going to be unrealistic in his realm, right? But 
let something happen, and you see how quickly you're a nigga. You see how quickly that you're black. You see how quickly you're, you're the person that um, they're going to lump you in with. And so that becomes a difficult thing to to really, really think about. And I'm not saying that I wouldn't want to not think about having a responsibility. I feel like there's a responsibility. I even feel like, fuck me, because I'm a rapper, right? <laughs> right? Fuck rappers right now. Fuck them all, man. God damn, I'm sick of all of them. You know, T.I. talking about drinking hot tea to, to kill the COVID virus. Like, no, no, stop. You know, it's irresponsible. It's bad. And it sounds like Trump, right? And I think the other part of it, when I talk about the hope, the black hope, we just got to hope white people ain't going to be mean and vicious. Um, I remember when Killer Mike did this, he was speaking at a rally. I'm not sure if it was something, I don't know if it was something with with um, Farrakhan or something. He was, he was, there was like, you know how they got these people doing, you know, these one of these, you know, let's talk black and have these like forums or whatever. And Killer Mike went in. And and he got buried for saying a lot of stuff that he said, but he's basically like, you know, we're talking about sending black kids out to fight and get in these streets and for war, which is which is, I think, um, a few years ago when we're talking about what was happening um, when Black Lives Matter first started, and Killer Mike was just like, you know, we can't hunt, we ain't got no guns, we don't know how to shoot our guns, we can't do this, we can't do that, you know. We want to encourage our ourselves to get basically mold, right? Like, are you really ready for ready for revolution? And when I hear the word revolution, I I literally think of guns because I don't I don't think you can have a, a revolution without guns. You know, uh, that's just a historical reference of the word. Like we say it a lot. It sounds good. It looks dope on a t shirt. But like, revolution basically means I'm willing to die. Because the cause is greater than me. So in that respect, I don't think a lot of people think from a revolutionary perspective. And that's not an insult. That's not a diss. There's a lot of stuff that I might not be wanting to get in front of a bullet for, right? Um, but I feel like Mike was right. Like, if you ready to start going out, how, how many of us know how to shoot our guns? How many of us know how to, to load them? How many of us, you know, if it becomes the walking dead, can we fucking survive, Right? Like, all these niggas wearing these shirts, like, I'm not my grandparents, you catch these hands. Like, shut the fuck up, dog. Your Wi-Fi don't work for two weeks and y'all losing your shit. You got to wear a motherfucking mask and y'all niggas is thinking that <laughs> it's the end of the world. So don't talk about previous generations and how you better than them. Right? I remember I told this story about my dad when I did my one-man show. And I remember <laughs> my mom, I was 10, my mom was telling my dad how in the backyard she really wished she had a deck in the backyard. And my dad was like, nah, I don't think we can get a deck back there, yada, yada, yada. And my mom was like, nah, I think we can do this. And my mom drew it out. She drew out the idea of how to create the deck. And i never forget this shit. My dad would pick me up from school. Um, I don't know. My, let's say it was a couple of weeks or something. I don't know. And we would go to Lowe's. And I would see him. Buy the wood, I see him buy the materials, buy this and buy that. And I remember being in the background, in the backyard, and I watched my dad build a fucking deck for my mom. Like, it blew my mind. It blew my mind. Because, like, you know, I didn't think he was a carpenter. You know what I'm saying? My dad fucking built a deck for her. 
And those are one of those things that I always look up to with my pops. And I used to joke with my mom. I said, like, you know, I'm back here as this 10 year old. Like that nigga should have brought me over. Like I can't, I can't build a fucking birdhouse. He should have brought me over to help me out and just, you know, like show me some game. You know, and I told my mom that years later, my mom says, you know what your father, why your father didn't do that? I was like, why? She said, because he wanted to brag and say that he built this deck for me by himself. Like there's so much shit to unpack. My therapist would love that story. But, but I say that to say, there's tons of shit like that that my father does that just, you know, on GP. You know what I'm saying? We, we're we not built like that. We don't know how to do that. And so I, I think of those things when I think of seeing the Biden campaign trying to go into Austin, Texas, and you got Trump motherfuckers in their trucks trying to run it off the road and shit like that, and they got guns. Or or you got the Proud Boys after Trump endorsed them come up and making videos saying that, hey, Biden wins. We going to do this. We going to do that. Like, and we're in this position. Me as a black person, I'm basically like, well, I hope white people don't white people today. That's it. That's my hope. That's the version of hope that I have. And so when I wrote that column about, oh, Jamie Harrison gets elected, as a, I have hope. And it's like, no, I was wrong. I felt silly. I felt they might still run it if they run it, pay me. But I, I felt naive because that's not the hope that I have. Black people hope in America is a total different kind of hope. And I'm scared, man. I'm scared. I'm scared because I don't see someone like Trump bowing out gracefully. You know, looking at those rallies, man. Like, like Hitler was Life Magazine's Man of the Year, nineteen thirty nine, and I'm like a World War II buff. And one of the questions you have to ask is like, how did he build that much power? And how did he do this? How did man? I don't speak German, but when I'm watching the motherfucking those clips, it it look and feels eerily the same, and and. I don't know what you do with that. And I also don't know what happens if Biden wins. I don't know if it changes instantly. Because I think, to be honest with you, this administration that's coming in, if it's a new administration, they're going to have their hands tied with Corona, as they should. As they should, you know? So I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of hope I'm going to have. I do know I'm going to have all the alcohol on motherfucking deck. And I think that's about it. I just want to do like a 19 minute, 20 minute thing. And we see what happens. We see what happens. Love y'all.